Just kidding. No, uh, you said you said uh, the reason why we meet is to remember. And so a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today in John chapter 10 isn't really going to be anything new as I look around the room. You're not going to hear anything new. A lot of these things are going to be more aimed at remembering and remembering and remembering. The reason why we meet is to remember what Jesus Christ did. So, if, the, if, if it is that we follow who we trust, and that's the main point of tonight, we follow who we trust. We follow who we trust. So in John 10, Jesus, it's really interesting, really fun to look at. In John 10, Jesus using literally a word picture. John 10 is a parable. It's a metaphor. And so he's given the illustration. So I don't, maybe explaining and maybe a little illustration, but the illustration itself is John chapter 10. It's a metaphor. It's an illustration that's talking about himself in relation to his followers. So he's the he's shepherd, and then there is the sheep, and the sheep are we. Here, Jesus is comparing himself to the shepherd, and we are the sheep. In the context of John chapter 10, we can't divorce John chapter 10 from John chapter 9. Kyle did an excellent stellar job last week in explaining how Jesus is the gate and tied it down, tied it back to the healing of the blind person as well. So in John chapter 9, Jesus shows people who he is and he calls people to believe. Y'all remember that? In John chapter 9, the healing of the blind person. And so if you remember, Jesus had just finished healing a blind person who was, who was uh, blind and who got upset? The Pharisees. The Pharisees got all upset. So Jesus was confronting them about who he is. And they doubted that he was a son of God. So also John chapter 9 and chapter 10 occurs in the dedication of, in the Feast of Dedication. A.K.A. Hanukkah. So this is the time frame. November, December time frame. This is the time frame that this is occurring. If you look at later on in chapter 10, it shows you the Feast of Dedication. This is the time frame that it was written in. So 9 and 10 is written around this time frame. Around this time frame, the Feast of Dedication, a.k.a. Han- 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 no. Hanukkah, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Um, people would go to the temple. And at the temple, they have a certain tradition. You know, you remember what that tradition is? At, at this, at the, when the Jewish people would go to the temple, they would, yes, yeah, and they would, no, they would roll it like this. They would read the scrolls, which is basically the Old Testament. So the liturgy that they would use, it would be a liturgy of, um, of reading the Old Testament. A particular passage that they read was Ezekiel 34. Uh, we don't have time to go through it today, but... Maybe on your way home, uh, you can bust up your Bible app and click on Ezekiel 34 and just listen to it on the way home. It's basically, you see the, good she- the bad shepherds and the good shepherd. And so all the accusations that God is giving against the shepherds of Israel. And so uh, Ezekiel 34 would have been read in this, uh, during this time frame, during chapter 9 and chapter 10. So when Jesus is basically saying, I am the sheep, I am the shepherd, there's a lot of context there. One, people are familiar with that. Two, 
the liturgy of the temple would have already heard Ezekiel 34. So there's a, there's a lot of reasonings in why Jesus is basically saying this in that context. So in John 10, John 10 he delivered the Good Shepherd speech metaphor, and he's making the case of his true identity and his mission. And so um, how many Bible apps do we have open? I'm going to need your help. Okay, in order for this to work, I'm going to need your help. All right. So, uh, y'all remember what chapter, I mean, uh, Psalm 23 is about, right? The Lord is my shepherd, right? So I did a survey of all the times that, uh, all the passages talk about shepherd. And a short survey of that time, these are the things that come to mind. Look up uh, Isaiah 53, 6. And somebody else look up Matthew 9.36. So we have Isaiah 53, 6, Matthew 9, 36. Look up Luke 15, 3 to 7. Uh, don't read that one. I'll just tell you about that one. That's too long. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. And in 1 Peter 2, 25. All right. So Psalm 23, Christ is the personal shepherd. Who has Isaiah 53, 6? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned away everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him with the inequity of us all. We've wandered off and done our own things. The sheep analogy. Uh, how about Matthew 9.36? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Mm, Self-explanatory, like a sheep without a shepherd. Um, Luke 15.3-7? Was that the one I said skip? Skip. Yeah, that's the the parable of the lost sheep. That's when he leaves all the ninety nine sheep to find that one. Uh, okay, Hebrews uh, thirteen twenty twenty one. Who has that one? Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great Shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, keep with you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory and forever and ever. Amen. Amen. He is the great Shepherd. First uh, Peter two twenty five. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Hmm. All these are similar analogies that are found in Scripture towards uh, sheep. And here in John 10, we see another analogy, another metaphor of sheep and shepherd. And so the question still remains, why can Jesus be trusted? And he uses a metaphor of sheep and shepherd. And so we're going to particularly look at John 10, 11 through 14. John 10, 11 through 14. And as you look there, as you go there, I remember verse 9. Uh, last week, Kyle talked to us about Jesus being the gate. So Jesus gives, he gives you a satisfying life. He gives his followers a satisfying life. The question you would ask there is define satisfying. That's a good research question. The other one would be, as a matter of fact, John in John alone, there are seven sections that talk about life, the life that Jesus offers. So in John alone, in the book of John, there are other sections that Jesus talks about uh, the life that he offers. I'm going to go through them real quick. In John 3.16... You know that one. Remember that one. Remember that one. Jesus gives a whole and lasting life. John 3.36. Jesus offers new and a complete life. 
John 4, 14, Jesus offers a satisfying life. John 6, 27, Jesus is the source of eternal life. John 10, 28-30, Jesus offers real life. In John 17, 3, Jesus gives eternal life. So in a sense, Jesus is the source of life, offers complete and new and satisfying life. So that all of that is just found in the book of John. Remember the purpose of the book of John, right? If you look at John, the last chapter of, of John, the last verse of John, it says Jesus did a lot more things than this. And of course, no book in this world can contain all of that. But I'm writing these things to you so that you may believe. The purpose of the book of John is so that we will believe that Jesus is God. And by the way, sidebar, anybody who denies that Jesus is God, that's not Christianity. Mormons are not Christians. Jehovah Witness are not Christians. They preach Jesus, but they deny that Jesus is the Son of God. They deny that Jesus is God. Jehovah Witness will tell you that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, he's the Son of God. He was so good enough that God adopted him. That's what they believe. And so if you're not, if you're not careful, like Kyle warned us last time, we could be deceived we could be deceived he said that he ended the message last week with take heed and be careful so anything that denies that Jesus is God is not orthodoxy is not Christian so um, there's haters out there there are haters out there and those haters want us to cause want to cause us to doubt God. And so, remember, remember, remember what Christ did. Remember all the things that you've learned all these years about John chapter 10. You're not really hearing anything new. Maybe it's kind of a fresh reminder that Jesus is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And what does that look like for even the people around you that are looking for hope, that are looking to find somebody for help and so it's somebody that that they're in need of advice the question still remains why can Jesus why should Jesus be trusted and so if we follow who we trust if we follow who we trust think about your employer right why are you working for your employer if you don't trust them maybe you need the money but is that going to be a long-term solution because they might you might be deceived in there as well I don't know. But if we follow who we trust, then why is Jesus, why can Jesus be trusted? So in John 10, 11 to 13, pick up on 11. Anybody want to read 11 through 13? Who has that one? I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep, leaves them, and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. Yeah, so that's the image. The image shows that Jesus is a good shepherd. The person who's hired, first sign of danger, he takes off. The wolf jumps in or crawls up, and the sheep take off. You know, in Puerto Rico, when I, you already know this, I grew up in Puerto Rico. And when we park up, we would go uh, to Walmart. I'm sorry, not to Walmart, to Kmart. 
And so we'll go to Kmart, and my dad will park his car, we'll all get out. And there was this guy with a cup, and he was always, te lo vero, te lo vero, te lo cuido. So he would always say, like, can I watch your car? Can I watch it? Can I watch it for you? I'll take care of it. And my dad will respond, what if, what if somebody steals it? What if somebody steals the car? And it was like, no, nobody's going to steal it. Well, what if somebody steals it? And so here the same, uh, the same thing. It's almost like if you work at a Valero gas station and somebody's robbing Valero gas station where you work for a taquito and a Snickers. Would you give your life for that? Probably not. Probably not. And so it's got, those are, I guess, modern-day uh, illustrations of that. Uh, here's what's interesting, though. Jesus said he's the good shepherd, right? There's so much in the language there. The word good, the word good in Greek there has many uses. It's, it goes beyond the word just good in English. So in, there are many words of good in the Greek uh, vocabulary. There's one, if I remember this, yeah, agathos is uh, good, which means well. Romans 8.28, he takes all bad things and turns them to good, right? That is the Greek terminology for good, agathos. The one he's particularly using is uh, kalos, I think it is. Kalos, yes, which means good, but it's so much more than that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's valuable. It has worth. So in a sense, it could read, Jesus is the worthy shepherd. Jesus is the valuable shepherd. So in John 10, 11, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's one of beautiful value. And he's, another way to put it is, Jesus is not the worthless shepherd. That's a good way to put it. Is Jesus worthless? So can Jesus be trusted? If we follow who we trust, and we're trying to convince ourselves and others that Jesus can be trusted, therefore he can be followed, why in the world would we follow somebody who we don't trust? Why would we follow somebody who is worthless? So maybe pick up the question there. Do we think that Jesus is worthless? Do others think that Jesus is worthless? So uh, the question is, why is he the good shepherd? He answers it there in that, in that text because he lays down his life. He's willing to die for his sheep. He loves his sheep and is willing to fight off lions, fight off bears, whatever is needed to lay his sheep. He did not die for us in a way like, I love you, bye. And he falls off the cliff. Literally, I was spent uh, lots of time uh, lost in YouTube um, trying to find this video, and you find other things, and you kind of get lost next thing you know. It's like, oh, look at this time. Uh, the cat memes, they get you all the time. <laughs> the cat, little cat videos. Um, so in your spare time, if you ever find yourself bored like I was at the time, a little bit, trying to wake up, uh, I'm not saying that scripture is boring. I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm just saying that I am saying that I do have short attention spans, as you can tell. Um, so, find, uh, look up the Good Shepherd, or do like do a wordplay, wolf in, wolf, yeah, wolf in sheep's clothing or whatever. And so you literally saw two lambs there, uh, and uh, the, all the rest of the sheep here and scattered, and the shepherd comes in and he's 
shows up too late. So there's graphic pictures of, of all that stuff. That picture of death, that picture where there's lambs that could be killed because there's lions, because there's wolves, because there's bears, that's where you find Jesus. That's the picture that he's saying there. He's saying, I willingly give my life to fend off the enemy to protect you. He willingly gives his life for you. He can be trusted because he loves you. Jesus can be trusted because he loves you. John 15, 13, uh, later on in, in John, he says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. John 10, 17, later on, says, The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life. Okay, get the video ready. He loves you, and He gave His life for you, and He's willingly, willing, He's willing to give up His life for you. Follow that. Think about that. Can Jesus be trusted? He can be trusted because He loves you. In Isaiah 53, in Isaiah 53, it says that He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet He never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Jesus has the authority to lay down his life and to pick it up again. That's not what, there's, there's a whole other message there on Jesus' authority. But this is the picture, this is the picture when you think about a lamb going to the slaughter. People still practice that. People, the Jewish individuals that do not believe that Jesus is God are still living by the law of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament law says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so in a sense, they literally sacrifice an animal so that their sins would be forgiven. If you saw they were rejoicing, they were celebrating that their sins were forgiven. Jesus willingly, willingly gives himself up for us. He laid down his life because he loves you. And so you literally, in the time I picture it like this, a whole bunch of sheep just going down that aisle to be slaughtered. And Jesus did not say a word. He willingly gives up his life. He willingly sacrifices his life. Jesus willingly gives up his life for you. Guys, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that when we see God's love for us, it changes our lives. It changes our lives. Jesus can be trusted because he loves you. Jesus can be trusted because he loves you. And that's what makes him the good shepherd. That's what makes him so beautiful. That's what makes him so valuable. That's what makes Jesus the worthy shepherd. Jesus is not worthless. In 14, in verse 14, you see 14 and 15, you see this, there's the sheep or herd animals. The sheep just kind of go together. So they recognize my voice and the shepherd. Um, they would, so the shepherd talks and they respond to his voice. So they follow the shepherd's voice. It has a calming effect. Uh, it could be utilized to get the sheep to come or to go. 
to reflect what the shepherd's will is. And so, um, if the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice, that symbolizes that there is a personal relationship there. A personal relationship there. So, God, as your creator, he created you, and he knows you intimately. As a shepherd, would know each of his sheep. There's a personal relationship there. God knows us. But do we know God? And so I believe that everybody in this room, I want to believe that everybody in this room is and believes that Jesus is the worthy shepherd and believes that Jesus is God and has placed their trust in that. But there are people in your life, man, there are people in your life who don't know that, who don't know that truth. And you could be that beacon of light. You could be, you could be an advocate for Christ by helping them to consider following Christ. By showing them that Jesus is a trustworthy person. You can share what he's done in your life. But guys, look. Not only can Jesus be trusted because he loves you. But Jesus can be trusted today. With all the cravings that you have. With all the desires that you have. Because he cares for you. Jesus cares for you. And that's another thing, man. I think there is, there might, and I don't have any basis to back this up. It's just more like it's opinion. Mm -hmm. That I think there's a lot of doubt that occurs within Christians because they're not being reminded that Jesus loves them and he cares for them. But instead, there's a lot of this, a lot of getting the Bible and beating people over the head or shoving it down their throat and telling them, Jesus loves you. You better change your life. Yes. The Bible is the true and word of God. But can you communicate that in love, just like he loves for us? And show people that you care, just like he cares for you. I wrote down literally, he cares, he cares, he cares, he cares, he cares for you, he cares for you, he cares for you, he cares for you, he cares for you. Jesus can be trusted and he can be followed because he cares for you. So in Psalm 23, verse 4, somebody want to read that one? 23, verse 4. And somebody else find uh, 1 Peter 5, 7. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from Who's with you? But who is with him? The Lord. Yeah, it says you. You are with me. It's David. And who's he talking to? He's talking to God. You are with me. Symbolizes he's not ahead of him. He's not like, hey, come on. Jason, come on, over here. Over here. Hey, you can get out of that mud. Just... A few more, take your hoofs and move over this way. And he's not on the other side either. He's not over here with your stick. Uh, I don't know. He's not over here. Come on, you can do it. The picture is this. Come on, man. You can do it. You can do it. That's the picture. The picture there is that Jesus is with you. He's alongside you. 
he's there. Jesus is an encouraging person. He is. Jesus encourages you. And he can be trusted and he can be followed. He cares for you. He deeply, deeply cares for you. Check this out, man. And I'm getting teary-eyed because it's 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. What does it say? Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. <sighs> Cast all your anxieties upon God, man. Because he cares for you. Jesus loves us and he cares for us. He not only proved it, but he still wants to love you and care for you. And I think at times we keep, we, we forget that, or we keep them at arm's length because we're looking and following other things. Has there any of you play, played Marco Polo? I'm not, not Marco Polo, um, hide and seek with a kid before? Yeah. How is it? <laughs> Ready or not, here I come. What, are they, what, what happens? I'm over here. Or they're like, <laughs> they're laughing. It's like they want you to find them. That's it. For them, that's it. They're like, ah, you found me. They're totally missed the point. It's like, no, hide and I'll seek you. But no, it's, for them, it's more like hide and find. Hide and find. And so for them, being found is the big reward. That's what I think God is. That's the game that God, if we're playing hide and seek with God, he'll be like, I'm over here. I'm not moving. Take five steps. You're close. You're close. If we play Marco Polo with God, he'll be Polo, 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 Marco Polo, Polo, Polo. You would, you would be, you would, it would be hard for you to miss God. But it requires listening. And it requires seeking and if he leads you somewhere, he's telling you, over here, over here. So who or what are we following? Who or what are we following? Can Jesus be trusted to be followed? I hope that you see that Jesus can be trusted. Jesus is not worthless. He is worthy. Jesus is very valuable. And Jesus is beautiful. And he's those things because of what he did for us. He shows that in the way that he lived his life. He willingly sacrificed his life. Jesus loves us. And Jesus deeply cares for us. And he still tells us, cast all your anxieties upon me. Because I want to care for you. So guys, look, let me, let's, let's end this way. Let's end this way. <clears throat> um, do you believe Jesus cares for you? And do your actions show it? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't point fingers. Don't give elbows. Uh, do you believe Jesus cares for you? And so then the question, another question might be is, uh, what are some ways that you're staying close to God? What are some ways that you're staying close to God? And what are some ways that you want to start getting closer to God? So, as you think about that, get your phone and set a reminder for Monday morning on what that is. Mine is pray 10 minutes. Pray 10 minutes every morning. I don't do that all the time. But that's 
that's what I told. That's what I charge myself with praying to trust God every morning. So I pray for 15, 10 minutes, and then I read the Bible for 10 minutes. That's the best way that I have found in this season of life to lead myself. So, everybody got it? Okay, so why don't you tell your neighbor what that is? Go ahead and find the same neighbor you, you shared who you, or who you go to, and tell them what that action item is. What is it that you put on your, on your, on, on your uh, calendar?